Welcome to this edition of In the Author's Voice. I'm Jeff Williams. Prayer has been part of our culture since the dawn of civilization. A new book examines the role of prayer in historic moments from ancient times to the modern era. Ten Prayers That Changed the World is the latest work of writer, historian, and professor Jean-Pierre Ispouts. I recently talked with him about the book and what draws him to religion. Well, what, what attracts me is, is the intersection of, of archaeology and history and science on the one hand, and the beautiful stories in, in the Bible on the other. Now, the Bible is obviously not a, not a history book. You know, it's a, it's a document of faith. But nevertheless, the, the stories in the Bible did originate in a very specific place and time. And so you see time and again that, that the Bible stories carry motifs from that immediate environment that we can trace, that we can identify using scientific methods. And that's what makes me excited. I think when we see that intersection of scientific methods and the biblical stories, uh, it's, a tremendous, it's a tremendously enlightening experience. A lot of the biblical stories I know are, are based on, on on oral traditions or oral retellings uh, of the time. Does, is that significant? And in, in what does that tell us about prayer? And that prayer is, for many, uh, an, an oral auditory thing. Is there is there a connection between the the history of of, of the Bible and and the origin of, of prayer? Absolutely. I mean, I, you know, it's it's amazing that when you look at all the great foundational. Uh, elements of of history, the the Iliad and Odyssey of Homer, or Hebrew scripture, or in Asia, the the famous Ramayana. These are all stories, stories with heroes and heroines that have been carried forward for for thousands of years. So stories have always been the unique container of information of a particular tribe or clan or nation. And the reason why that is, and, and neuroscience has, has only shown that in recent, recent years, is that when we, when we listen to a story, we not only activate our cognitive faculties, but also our emotional faculties. So we, 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 we invest ourselves in the story. We begin to root for a, for a hero or, or a character that we identify with. And that is why stories have always been the best way to, to communicate information. And that's why in this book, Ten Prayers, I tell each event, each spiritual event, as a beautiful story. And only at the end of that story do I put my historian's head on and then analyze the prayer from a more critical, from a more historical perspective. But first, it's the story that really matters. There are, are, are ten prayers, and I think most of these are, are going to be familiar to uh, to most of our, our listeners. Of of all the prayer prayers that are out there from all of the various religions, how did you come on to isolate or to select these these ten? No, that's a good question. You know, of course, there's, there's hundreds of beautiful prayers in all faith traditions. You know, they're beautiful Muslim prayers, but but we were looking specifically at prayers that did not just create a transformation in the individual, but also in the course of mankind. Now, that is a very difficult criterion to meet. So I was really looking for ways to see, now, can spiritual experiences, can, can divine whispers, as I call them, truly be related to major changes in, in the passing of time, in, in a transforming event in history? And that's how I came up with these ten so I, I first told the story, and then I say, well, okay, now what really has the impact of this story been? For example, the prayer of St. Francis. 
which was created by a, an anonymous French priest in some little parish church in the early part of the 20th century. But then as time goes on, it becomes big, it becomes famous, it gets printed all over the world. And today, several rock stars have put it to music. It was, it was read at the funeral of uh, Princess Diana. It's really become a tremendous force in our modern time. So, so these are sort of the prayers that I'm looking for. It seems that, especially in, in the West, we see quite a bit of, of, of crossover from the sacred world to the secular world. Uh, especially with prayer. Is there a reason for that? Is, is it the story, the intrinsic nature of the story that is told within the prayer? Or um, what do you see as a, as a connection with what, from what is largely from the sacred world that does have, that does have a very prominent place in the, in, in the secular world? Oh, I, I think that the, the, the yearning for spirituality is universal. I think we all, we all really realize that, that there is something greater than ourselves, than what our sixth senses can perceive. You only have to look up at night at the stars, at the universe, and say, my God, who could, who could possibly create something so vast, so huge? And how we experience that spirituality, that's very different. You know, some of us go to church or to the mosque or to synagogue. Others, you know, would like to meditate and, and find that spark of the divine, as Plato called it, that spark of the divine in ourselves. And that's all fine. I mean, but I think whether, whether you are a believer in a particular traditional faith or if you are simply searching for the truth, that, is where, that's, that feeling is universal. And that's why the boundaries between the sacred and the secular really don't apply anymore, certainly not in our modern day, when we really look for the meaning of our lives. Is there a distinction between, uh, between spirituality and prayer, do you think? <laughs> you know, <laughs> books have been written about that stuff. It's a good question. Um, I don't really think so. I think that spirituality is something that we all experience, but we express it in different ways. You know, sometimes we look for ritual, for liturgy. Uh, sometimes we look for things to sacrifice, as, as things were typically done in ancient times. We all try to find a way to, to connect with that. Uh, but prayer is perhaps the most uh, common way of express that you know and and in the beginning of the book uh, what i do for readers i i trace the origin of prayer and and it really began in mesopotamia which is today's iraq where people for the first time stopped hunting things and started creating things by, by growing crops by growing herds they they should changed from a destructive to a productive lifestyle but of course when you do that all of a sudden you're dependent on proper conditions of sunlight and rain and water and wells. And that's when people start to pray because they realize that they cannot secure the safety of their yields unless the divine powers cooperate. And that's why you see that, that need for, for prayer coalesce. Of course, in the beginning, it was all that to do with, with sacrifice and sort of bartering with God, you know, or the gods. You know, if you do this, then I'll do that for you. And, and it's so typical and so unique that the Bible says, and out of that milieu in Ur in Iraq, that the idea of a, of a single God, uh, the Abrahamic God, emerged. And that's why I start the book with, uh, with Abraham. That's the first prayer. You span the centuries with, in, terms of the, in terms of prayer. What, what do you think is a, a, a universal 
uh, or, or the universal characteristic or, or uh, aspect uh, of prayer that seems to, to transcend time? The, the one thing, that's a good question, the, the one thing that I think is always present is the sense of humility, the sense of that as human beings we can never fathom the, the immense majesty of this divine being, whatever we call it, whether it's Rama in Hindu or Allah in Islam or, or, or Yahweh in Judaism or, or simply God or Abba as Jesus called it. But there is a sense of this acknowledgement that this is far greater than us, but we humbly besiege that divinity to please intercede. And, and that's why I think as human beings we need spirituality because we, we realize that on our own strength we can do it. And even if we can, we look for meaning. You know, why are we on earth? What is, the per- is it to make a lot of money? Is it to cre- you know, have, create large families? Or is it to, to lead a good life? And this is where I think that spirituality comes into play. The, the second prayer that I write about is, is the Lord's Prayer, is the Our Father. And from, from a historical point of view, it is fascinating to see that the individual lines, and I use the prayer that, as it appears in Luke, which is the original version rather than the one in Matthew, if you relate those very simple sentences to the economic, the social, and political conditions of Galilee of the first century, you get an entirely different sense of what Jesus is trying to say. And, and that's essentially what I'm trying to do with this book, is to, to look at these wonderful stories and to say, well, what, do they, what did they really mean for the progress of humankind? So much of meaning in terms of our of our writing, whether it be prayer, whether it be our, our written word, is is influenced by the time and the and the society and that we that we live in. If there are mores, and how though do you think important is it that uh, to look at these prayers in their in their kind of historical or chronological uh, time period? Does it tell us more to look at when they were written, or or do we get more from them just looking at them kind of universally? Well, we can do both. If that makes uh, sense. We can, yeah, we, we can certainly look at a prayer like uh, the prayer of St. Francis or Martin Luther's beautiful hymn, Ein Fester Burg ist unser Gott, which, which, which became the battle cry of Protestantism in, uh, in the 16th century. And just enjoy that. But when you, when, as a historian, when I try to place it in the context of its time, then a whole new world opens up for us because it, the only truly way to understand a prayer like that is to see, well, what, what, what were the motives for, for Luther to, to write it? What was going on at that time? You know, what were the tensions? What, were the, 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 what was the purpose? What was he trying to achieve? And when you see that, when you relate the, the voices of Joan of Arc to the, the immense miracle of her being able to to evict the British forces from the city of Orleans. She's a 13-year-old girl, for Christ's sake, you know. Or, or when you look at the dream of Constantine, Constantine the Great, who suddenly declares that all the faiths, including Christianity, is official in the Roman Empire. There will no longer be any persecution. You ask yourself, how the heck did he get to that point? What motivated him to do that, or motivated that little girl to do that, and that is a, just a fascinating story. It's uh, 
You know, and I, I, I love Philippa Gregory. I love Diana Gabaldon. So I, I try to write in that vein to, to really not make it a dry historical, you know, nonfiction book, but to really let people be entertained by the beauty of the story. And then at the end of it, to say, okay, now switching hats, what from a historical perspective can we learn from this? If you look at all the the recent uh, data on on faith and spirituality, we we see that there are there are declines in, in with individuals associating with particular uh, denominations and particular organized religions. But it seems that the spirituality is uh, is universal. What does that say that we as a society, at least in the West, tend to not be affiliating with organized religion, but yet there still definitely, undeniably, is this spirituality? Yeah, absolutely, and and. Uh... Uh, you know, Jeff, that's that's a, a topic that I, I addressed in in a book uh, last year, which is a story of Christianity, where where I try to uh, basically look at the genesis of Christianity and and the, the tremendous splintering that took place, the, the the factualization. You know, today we have you know over 40 different Christian denominations just in this country alone, and and it's a, a very sad thing to see that, and perhaps. The reason is that we, our lives are changing, and our conditions, our human condition changes, and we try to adapt to that. Judaism is, is experiencing that same thing. You, you, you saw that tremendous, uh, almost traumatic transformation of Judaism in the first century, exactly in the decades after Jesus, when the temple was destroyed, and the rabbis at the time, which we think may have been Pharisees, had to create an entirely new way to experience Judaism, and they did that through the through the search for truth and the application of the tenets of the Torah. And I think that that idea continues that we constantly try to adapt traditional religion and the, the rites and liturgy of traditional religion to the very rapid changes of our modern times. And sometimes we succeed. You know, uh, I, I'm tremendously excited to see what Pope Francis is doing with Roman Catholicism, which really needed to get back on the, on the program of doing what Jesus did, to focus on the downtrodden, the poor, the hungry, for mercy, rather than the dictates of doctrine. I think that's a wonderful development. But for some reason, for some people, that's not enough, and, and they go out and try to find spirituality in other ways, such as the Asian traditions, Buddhism, meditation, reflection. And that's fine, too. The, the important thing is that we do try to enrich our lives with some form of spiritual experience, because without it, there's very little left just beyond our material goods and, and needs, and there is so much more to life. As you sit and, and, and kind of observe as how the, how the, how the 21st century is, is, is starting to unfold, how would you assess what the, the role or the or the place of, of prayer is in our modern society now in, in 2016? Well, it, it's, it's changing very rapidly. You know, and uh, I was born in Europe, raised in Europe, and only came to this country for my, for my doctoral work and, and then never went back. But, but I vividly remember uh, growing up in a, in, in, a, in a world where churches were emptying, uh, and, and much of that had to do with the tremendous impact of two world wars and the disillusionment that people experienced during the Cold War. After the, my parents lived through World War II um, and, and suffered, 
and and as a result, you know, you, you thought a new world must come out of that tremendously traumatic experience, and it didn't. Uh, the Cold War, you know, we lived just a few hundred miles from where the the, the nuclear rockets were, were stationed in eastern eastern Germany. So we always had that fear that you know another war might break out, and I think that sense of disillusionment is why in Europe particularly uh, we see such a tremendous secularization, why uh, traditional religions are struggling tremendously to reach, even in places like Italy where, you know, Christianity, organized Christianity really, really emerged. In the United States, I am very hopeful. I mean, we, uh, the recent uh, insights from the Pew Institute survey, for example, found that there is some erosion, but that there is a still a very vibrant sense of Christian feeling, particularly among evangelicals, particularly among uh, Latino immigrants, Hispanic immigrants, who bring with them mostly Catholicism, but also a strong sense of evangelical Protestantism. So I think the United States is an exception to the rule, actually, um, and some parts of Asia as well. Perhaps it's just the ebb and flow of, uh, of uh, history, uh, there have been times like that before, like the Enlightenment, when a lot of people turn a skeptical eye towards organized religion and try to do things on their own way. So I'm I'm really hopeful for the future. I think we will always need that sense of spirituality and prayer in our lives, but we may find different ways of expressing it. That's Jean-Pierre Isbouts, historian and doctoral professor at Fielding Graduate University. His latest book is 10 Prayers That Changed the World, Extraordinary Stories of Faith That Shaped the Course of History. It's available from National Geographic. In the author's voice is a service of WSIU Public Radio. I'm Jeff Williams.